Hello and welcome back to Major League Talk Giants edition. Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023. My name is Henry Self and this is episode 10. Today we're going to be talking about the series down in Mexico versus the San Diego Padres where we were the away team. This, I'll be honest with you, this episode is going to be shorter. I'm not going to do pitcher profiles or pitcher reports in this one just because I'm sure some of the pitchers would probably appreciate not going over how the games went for them, especially the first one. Um, yeah, this was just complete and utter ridiculousness, honestly, especially for that first game. But let's go ahead and get into them. Uh, this was our ninth series of the year. We were in Mexico City playing the San Diego Padres for a two-game set. We lost the series, getting swept two games to none. Game one on Saturday was a home run derby between the teams with a combined 11 home runs. The hit total was 30, so a third of the hits were home runs. The Padres ended up beating the Giants 16-11 to after some back and forths that were going on there. Game two seemed uh, like the pitchers had kind of figured it out. Uh, maybe the balls were different. Who knows? Um, Cobb held the Padres scoreless for four innings before he gave up three in the fifth. The final was a Padres win six to four. However, the Giants lost more than just the game uh, with Diaz leaving the game with a hamstring injury while he was trying to make what would have been an ending ending and run saving catch on a blue pit. And we'll get to that later. The starting pitchers for each game were Manaya and Cosgrove for game one and then Cobb and Darvish for game two. Game one, like I said, was Minaya. He, after his last start, took two hits, takes another comebacker, this time to his knee. And I'll be honest, and a lesser man, it would have shattered a kneecap. And he even said it felt like it had shattered his kneecap. Um, I'm impressed that he managed to stay in and, and continue pitching at that point. Uh, that comebacker came off a double from Cruz. It was his, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth batter faced. Fifth batter of the game. Um, and unfortunately, in the process of that ball hitting his knee, ball hits knee, skits across this astroturf out into foul territory. He doesn't even go after it because he can barely put any weight on his leg. Davis rushes in, tries to grab the ball, overthrows Sable. Machado runs straight through Sable. And then at that point, the second run scores Bogarts uh, and Cruz is standing at second. And we have to have everybody come in and take a look at Manaya because that was a hard hit ball. Hit his kneecap and then and, and we were all kind of wondering if he was going to be able to stay, but he stayed. Um, his final line was two innings pitched, five hits, four earned runs, five total runs, four walks, three strikeouts, and one home run. The lineup for our game uh, was Wade Jr. at first, who would go one for three with a strikeout, two walks, two runs, a home run. Estrada was at second, and then he'd go to play short. He went four for five with uh, three RBIs. Peterson was DHing. He went one for five with a strikeout. Davis was at third. He'd go one for four with three strikeouts, uh, a walk, and he would also score a run. Conforto was in right. He went one for five with three strikeouts, uh, scored one run. Hanniger was in left field. He went two for five with a home run, two runs, and three RBIs. Uh, Yaz was in center. He went 0 for three with two strikeouts and a walk and a score. Sable was catching. He went one for four with a strikeout, a walk, 
uh, a home run, two RBIs, and he scored twice. Crawford was short. He went one for two um, with a home run. That home run was probably the most interesting in the game for me. One, because it was the first one. It's, it opened the floodgates. Two, because if you watched it, you know exactly what I'm talking about already. Hits a home run, and I, I actually managed to score this one. Uh, it was a one-two count. Hits a home run. The first ball that he hit goes out off in the right field and over the right field wall. And to everybody, it looks like a home run. They did the replay, and they didn't have enough cameras to really catch the right angles for this. It was not the best replay uh, scenario. The replay also did not go to New York. This one stayed local. They brought a fifth ump specifically for replay reviews, and they kept showing the same shot over and over. And basically what it looked like is it looked like the foul pole was pushed back from the wall, the right field wall. So it looks like the ball goes over the wall, and then after it's already out and over the wall, it crosses over to the other side of the pole. So they called it a foul ball. Okay, Crawford comes back up, and then just goes the other direction and goes toward left center. And StatCast recorded at 482 feet. Um, I don't think that's accurate, but hey, StatCast says it. it must be true, right? On the very next pitch. So I didn't even have to change the scorebook or anything. Just, it was it was a very interesting and very cool thing to see him just come back up there and say, well, screw it. You took one home, uh, home run away from me. I'll just go the other direction. Um, but he would end up coming out of the game. Uh, wisely would take his spot in the batting lineup and play second. Um, but then VR would come in to pinch hit in that spot and play second. And VR would go one for three. Uh, with a strikeout and a home run. So total, our batters went 13 for 39, uh, 12 strikeouts, five walks, 11 runs, four RBIs, five home runs. It was a complete offensive explosion for both teams. We hit five home runs. They hit six home runs, 30 combined hits between the two teams. 27 runs scored between the two teams. Like I said, 16 to 11 was the final score. We lost. But this was an absurd and just kind of an anomalous game. Um, let me go through the, the bullpen and some of the rest of the game, and then we'll get started on some of why this game is weird. Um, and I got hit in the knee, so... Uh, Manaya getting hit in the knee and getting hit around probably because he got hit in the knee, let's be honest. The bullpen did have to do some work in this game. First was Junis, who pitched two and two-thirds innings, uh, giving up five hits, five earned runs, walking one, striking out four. Four of those runs were home runs. Four of his hits were home runs. Um, just uh, that was rough to, to watch. All the pitchers hated this game. It was terrible. Taylor Rogers came on next. He'd go one in a third inning, striking out two, walking one, giving up two hits. He was the only pitcher for the Giants in Saturday's game to pitch a scoreless inning. Uh, Tyler Rogers would come on and pitch two-thirds of an inning, striking out one, giving up three hits, two earned runs, and one home run. Scott Alexander would come out for the last out of the seventh, but then in the top of the eighth, he'd end up walking two, giving up a hit, and 
being credited with three earned runs. Um, it was it, that was kind of rough to watch because it did go from a one run game to a four run game at that point. Um, and then Brebby would come on and he would strike out one and walk two. He'd also give up a hit and an earned run. So we went from being down 12 to 11 to being down 16 to 11. And to see kind of break down that quickly uh, for Alexander, uh, like I said, the actual sequence for the eighth inning, walk, walk, uh, two RBI double, um, and then that's when he'd get replaced is after that two RBI double. So now he's responsible for a runner on base. Brebbia comes in, gets an out, walks someone. Then we intentionally walk somebody. A strikeout. And then a uh, two RBI single. As for the offense, they left seven on base, went three for 10 with runners in scoring position. Yaz was hit by a pitch. Uh, no one got a two out RBI. Peterson, Handiger, and Estrada hit doubles. The defense earned an error from Davis overthrowing to Sable. That was on that sequence where Manaya got hit in the knee and Sable had a pass ball. Now, one thing I just want to do to really illustrate how ridiculous this game is, if anybody, like, I'm sure some of you that do listen, if you do listen, have scored games before. That's just ridiculous. The way that that looks for our pitching, that just is just ridiculous. I think the least amount of batters we faced in a single inning was five. And then we had an explosive inning. Our, our fourth inning was where we really exploded for six runs. But like I said, we only held them scoreless for one inning in that game. And And here's the thing about this stadium if you didn't watch the games or if you didn't listen to anything about the conditions or you don't know anything about mexico city because i didn't until i watched the game the rockies have the ballpark at the highest elevation in the states it's denver it's 5,208. it's a mile high right mexico city is over 2,000 feet higher in elevation than denver it's at 70, over 7,300 feet of elevation. So the air's way thinner. They play with an artificial turf on the ballpark. And let me tell you something. That artificial turf acts way too much like a trampoline. I believe I saw one ball bounce in the infield and then completely clear a player, like just boop, and then wait over his head. And then I saw another ball skip six times across the outfield grass all the way back to the wall like it was a skipping stone on water. It So thin atmosphere, bouncy turf. And Saturday's game was one of the worst officiated games that I've seen. And it wasn't just against the Giants. It was both sides. The ump behind the plate was inconsistent and just not accurate at all. And like I said, that was both ways. It wasn't just against the Giants. I'm not trying to say anything about the officiating being so bad for us. Both teams had to figure this out at the same time. They just figured it out 
better than we did. Um, it was, but watching 11 home runs in a single game, it, it was entertaining. It was fun and not fun at the same time. But just to prove a point about the officiating, we're going to go ahead and go over the ump scorecards. Like I said earlier, I'm not doing the pitcher reports for this one because there was just a lot of pitches. Uh, Manaya threw 71 pitches and only got six outs, right? 71 pitches for Manaya, 49 for Junis, 28 for Taylor Rogers. Tyler Rogers had the lease at 11. But so for the um scorecard, this game percentile ranking, I haven't read these off before, but uh, this is pretty interesting. The accuracy, 6%. Accuracy above expected, 4 Consistency, 13. This is one of the bottom-ranked games as far as officiating goes with regard to accuracy and consistency. Favor, 37th percentile. Expected accuracy, 44th. So the ump behind home plate was a man named Alfonso Marquez. His overall accuracy was 90%. Overall consistency, it says 91. Uh, maybe the overall accuracy and consistency is like throughout his entire season. I'm not really sure there. But let's go ahead and get into impactful missed calls. Top of the ninth, Martinez to Sable. One out, bases empty, a 3-2 count, a ball is called a strike. Bottom of the second, Anaya to Bogarts. Two outs, bases loaded, a 1-0 count, a ball is called a strike. See, both ways. Bottom of the first, Manaya to Tatis Jr. No outs, space is empty. 2-2 count. A strike is called a ball. His called ball accuracy is better there, 95%. Eight of 161 called balls are true strikes. It's his called strike accuracy that annoys me the most. 78%. 15 of 69 called strikes were true balls. 15. For a major league game, that's going to be watched as much as this one was. This is supposed to be a pretty big game. I mean, let's be honest, the teams might not be that exciting for some people right now. The, the Giants are definitely disappointing this season at the moment. And the Padres are struggling because, let's be honest, with who they have on their lineup, they should be banging, but they're not either at the moment. Um, this kind of stuff can't really happen in a game like this, you can't have somebody that's going to only call strikes 78% right. Is that a, that, I'll, I'll be honest. I never played baseball growing up, but just you think of the psychology of it and watching as it unfolded, even in the same batter, a pitch that was a strike two strikes ago is now a ball. Like, as a batter, you're thinking, well, that was a ball before. Is it going to be a ball again? And as a pitcher, you're thinking, well, that was a strike before. Is it going to be a strike again? Like, it, it completely ruins the flow. It ruins some of the concentration, probably. Like, psychologically, that cannot be fun to play with uh, when you don't truly know that unless it's going to be straight down the middle, if a ball that you throw is going to be a ball or a strike. 
And like I said, he was squeezing both sides. So it's not an excuse for the Giants to have dropped this one, but it was rough watching Alexander struggle in the top of that eighth, trying to hold on to a one-run lead. And I got to say, some of those calls just didn't go our way. And honestly, in, in the in the top of the eighth, he was in the bottom of the eighth. I probably said top. In the top of the eighth for us, top of the eighth, top of the ninth, the Padres pitcher Martinez, some of his strikes weren't strikes based on what I saw, based on the stack cast strike zone, the way that he was like, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, was, was not going to help us out. And you know what? I'll just move on. The next game, like I said, it seemed like they kind of figured some things out. Uh, Cobb was a starter. He was pitching a really good game. He managed to hold the Padres scoreless for four innings. Unfortunately, the fifth inning wasn't so clean. He gave up three earned runs. Uh, his final line was five innings pitched, seven hits, three earned runs, no walks, and seven strikes. So he did well for us to start. Wade Jr. was at first. He went one for four with a strikeout, and he was the first home run of the game. Flores would come in a pinch hit and go 0 for 1. Estrada was short. He went 1 for 4 with two strikeouts. Peterson was DHing. He went 1 for 4 with a strikeout. Hanniger was in left field. He went 1 for 4 with a strikeout and a home run. Conforto was in right. He went 1 for 4 with two strikeouts and a run. Uh, Davis was third. Uh, he went 2 for 3 with a strikeout, a home run. Uh, Yaz was in center field. 2 for 4 with an RBI. VR would come in to play for him and his spot, at, uh, but he would go to second base. Bart was catching. Uh, he went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Wisely was playing second, then would go to center after we had to pull Yaz out. Um, and Wisely would go 0 for 3 with a strikeout. Uh, Slater would come in to pinch hit for him, and Slater would go 0 for 1. So total eight for 32, 11 strikeouts, uh, four runs, four RBIs, one home run. Or excuse me, three home runs. Not one, three. Um, for the bullpen, Alexander would come out, uh, and he had a better showing on Sunday than he did Saturday. He pitched the sixth, struck out one, gave up no hits, runs, or walks. Scoreless inning, nice. Rebbe had a great seventh. He struck out the side in order. Two scoreless innings, maintaining that one-run lead. Tyler Rogers comes out for the eighth inning and only gets to record one out. Now we're still holding on to a one-run lead at this point. It's four to three. And Kapler decides to pull him after only the one out. And here it was the weird sequence. So he struck out one, walked one. Rogers comes out to attempt to defend a one-run lead. He strikes out uh, Machado, walks Soto, gives up a single to Bogarts. Okay. So now we got two on runners at first and second. Uh, Kapler takes Rogers out, brings in Duvall, assuming that I'm guessing he's just trying to get the swing and miss stuff. You know, 103 mile an hour Duvall. Uh, first batter Duvall faces singles on the third pitch. It was a one-one count. Uh, this scored Soto and moved Bogarts to third. Now it's a four-four game. Duvall strikes out the next batter in four pitches. All right, so two on, two out. Tie game. The next batter doubles on a 3-2 count, scoring the two runners on. 
And Nola is the final batter who flies out. Now, what really gets me about this double on a 3-2 count to score two runs and get them up 6-4. Remember when I said earlier that Yaz had to be pulled from the game after a hamstring injury when he was trying to make an inning-ending and run-saving catch? This was it. This was the batter. And it hurts more than it normally would have if it was just a regular bloop that scored two. But the thing was, we're without Yastrzemski now, who had a hot bat for the last couple of weeks. He said that on the second step, he felt a pop in his hamstring, and so he just completely booked it and tried to lay out to at least make it mean something. And he barely missed it. The ball just glanced off the tip of his glove. And it sucks. It sucks for him. It sucks for the team. Uh, who knows what would happen in the top of the ninth if, if he had made that catch. You know, would him getting hurt and us being still tied have done something psychologically for the team that are, that he just laid himself out for the team? But obviously we didn't score in the ninth. Hater came out and looked better than he did last year against us. The offense left six on base, went two for five with runners in scoring position. Uh, Davis was hit by a pitch. Conforto hit a double. Estrada was caught stealing. Uh, the defense turned one double play uh, wisely to Estrada to Wade Jr. Uh, Cobb is credited with a wild pitch, and he, and he hit a batter. Um, so let's go ahead and real quick get into the ump scorecard. Uh, for this one, it was Pat Hoberg vastly better than the last one so the act the game percentile ranks um it says the percentile ranks are calculated from games in the same season uh so he was in the 87th percentile in accuracy 79th percentile in accuracy above expected and 86th percentile in consistency so much better than the last one um, and then we look at his actual scorecard, 96% overall accuracy, 96% overall consistency. Um, he was 2% above expected, uh, overall favor. He was plus 0.28 runs for the, uh, San Diego Padres, uh, impactful missed calls bottom of the second, bottom of the second Cobb to, uh, to cruise one out bases empty. 0-2 count, strike is called a ball. Top of the sixth, Darvish to Conforto, no outs, base is empty. 1-1 count, ball is called a strike. And then bottom of the seventh, Brevia to Nola, no outs, base is empty, and 0-1 count, a strike is called a ball. Called ball accuracy, 97%. Uh, three of 104 called balls are true strikes. Called strike accuracy, 95%. So much better than that 78% from the last game. Two of 37 called strikes for true balls. So that was refreshing to have that uh, behind the dish. Um, so this was a two-gamer. I don't really like two-gamers. It's especially with where we played and how the play went. 
it was, like I said, anomalous uh, two-game series. First game, definitely just weird. Second game, pitchers figured it out a little bit better, but we ended up dropping it six to four. And that now puts us at 11 and 16. We're now four games back. Uh, right now, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are still tied for first, both of them at 16 and 13. The Padres are now one game above 500 at four, 15 and 14. Uh, and the Rockies are down at the bottom at 9 and 20. Um, I know normally I would go into uh, how our batters are doing now, home run totals, all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to wait and do that until after the next game. Like I said, two games are weird to me. I don't. It's only two games. I was hoping not to see any of those this season, but oh well. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up here. The I do want to say this real quick about the Mexico City series. It was fun to watch. The stadium was packed for both games. Now, they were overwhelmingly Padres fans, but that's fine. There were plenty of Let's Go Giants chants that I could hear. I think I heard more Let's Go Giants chants and louder Let's Go Giants chants at these two games in Mexico City than I've heard in Oracle Park. Um, one thing that someone did note about the, the fans that were wearing jerseys if you looked at people wearing Giants jerseys, it was older players. And I'll admit, I've got an older player on my back right now. I got Posey. But, you know, people were wearing Posey or Clark or Linscombe or Bumgarner, maybe a Crawford in there. Whereas the Padres fans who had jerseys were wearing Bogarts, Soto, Machado, Tatis Jr. You saw those jerseys a lot out there. So I think it kind of says something about the giants that we already knew going into the season and that the fans have known for the last couple of years. We don't have players that really stick around that long. We currently have a handful of players on our roster right now that have opt outs after this year or next season. So I think the front office needs to, needs to work on that and figure that one out. And we need some of our homegrown talent to start coming back up. Hopefully, some of our guys down in AAA and AA are, are figuring things out. I need to uh, pay attention more to that. But overall, fun atmosphere. Would have preferred a three-gamer to a two-gamer. And I uh, wish they would have had that humidor for the balls set at the right conditions. Apparently, the conditions for the humidor where they kept the balls was set for sea level. Not even set for Colorado level, sea level. But that's also not an excuse. It's just a fun little tidbit. Once again, thank you for listening to any of you that do. Uh, I do truly appreciate it. If you have any comments, pointers, tips, corrections, whatever, just let me know. Comments, anyway. Uh, I truly appreciate any and all feedback. Um, once again, sources for all the info, Baseball Reference, uh, Baseball Savant, um, Ump Scorecards, ESPN, and articles 
in the Athletic by Grant Brisby and Andrew Baggerly and uh, NBC Sports Bay Area by Alex Pavlovich. I'll see you after the Astros series, and hopefully we may surprise some people. Peace.